Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jared Causey, and this is Causey's Conversations. Thank you for joining us uh, once again, joining me. And um, if it's just you driving in a car by yourself or you're uh, just hanging out with your kids, I don't know. But uh, however you may be listening, thank you for joining us. Um, if you've listened to my previous <clears throat> podcast episode, you know that I'm starting to do a, a kind of a, a, a podcast series, almost said sermon series, but more of a podcast series that focuses on seminary, just the different things that seminary students go through in their daily life, um, and just some of the challenges, but also some of the benefits. Because I know, you know, especially growing up back home in uh, Southwest Louisiana, you know, I knew a lot of people that kind of looked down upon seminary uh, quite a bit, and I just remember, you know, even me having kind of a negative view of seminary at times, but. Just, <clears throat> just there are a lot of benefits of seminary, and I think um, just having people on to talk about those different positive experiences is beneficial uh, to help seminaries grow and uh, just for people to understand kind of a proper view. I mean, it doesn't mean all seminaries are the same or good, but there are a lot of good ones. So, anyway, so uh, today we're gonna um, have uh, my friend here, Scott Leger. He's joining me uh, in my study. I don't call it my office; I just call it the study because. Offices are like a corporate term there. This is a study. So uh, it's a study, and he's here, um, and uh, I'll let him introduce himself. So, Scott, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared. So, uh, Scott, you're um, you're married, so and you have a family, so tell me and everyone else a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I was married in 2010. My wife's name is Rachel. We have two kids, a four-year-old uh, named Leah and a two-year-old named Lawson. Uh, we started dating around 2007, got engaged in 2009, and married in 2010. Um, so we're working on year nine and a half right now, and next year will be ten years. Um, that's about it for my family. So, um, and you went to Magnese, right? Yes. You went to Magnese, and what uh, degree did you get? I graduated my bachelor's in nursing. Nursing. Okay, so um, you're you're a nurse now at a hospital. What's the or it's not a hospital technically. It's like what is it? What is it called? Uh, it's more of a, what they call a long term acute care. Um, and it's a four story building. I, I tell people that you know it starts at the top in the ICU where I, where I usually work at, and the patients flow just go down from there. From step down, med surge, mortality. Uh, they do a lot of uh, inpatient uh, like minor stuff there, and then. Um, also, I think they do some cancer stuff there, like maybe a few chemo treatments. Right. And Dallas and stuff. Gotcha. So, you know, um, for, you know, obviously me and you know our relationship, our friendship. Uh, we've known each other since, what, like 2015, 2014? Yeah, right about, yeah. Um, so we've known each other about five years now. Um, that's kind of crazy, actually, thinking about that. Um, but, you know, like um, that, most people that are listening to this probably don't know how we know each other. Um don't know our, our relationship, but you are from Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. We're both here in Fort Worth. Um, I started seminary, I think, a year before you. I went to the Havard campus, and then you did online, uh, like online uh, classes. Yes. Um, like a year after me, was that is that how it was? Is that- yeah, we toured in 2016, and we were gonna come um, that fall. We found out that Rachel was pregnant for Lawson, so we decided to go ahead and just wait out another six months and let him be born and then we're gonna let the grand grandparents um spend time with him for about a year and then we moved up to fort worth 
So I think I started, actually, yeah, I do remember. I started online studies the week he was born because I started reading, oh, some, yeah. I I started reading some of the books in the hospital. Yeah, I remember that now because I remember, I remember going to visit uh, Rachel and you, mm-hmm. you were there, of course, and um, after Lawson was born, I remember seeing those books. I think the books were there in yeah, the... That was from a hermeneutics class. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, that doesn't usually happen, I, I don't think, because I mean, most... most most people are not as dedicated as you to seminary. They they will not have their seminary books in the hospital, but uh, yeah. So that's that's a that's cool. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we we went to church together though, uh, Houston River, uh, for you know for a while there for a few years I guess. That's where we met. We got connected. I remember our first time hanging out. We were at Cracker, Cracker Barrel. Barrel. Yeah, I just got off of work. Oh yeah, that's right. And I met you there. And like I think um, I think the pastor Lonnie. Would like kind of connect to this, right? <clears throat> I don't, or I don't know if we just met and uh, I don't remember, but I'm, I just remember having a conversation with him. him yeah, saying, like, I remember wanting to reach out to you because I knew that somehow I think I heard that you were thinking about going to seminary, and I knew that I was interested, didn't know what that looked like at the time, and I think we just kind of flushed that out that morning. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, so here we are, a few years later. Uh, Going through seminary together. I mean, we've had a few classes together already. We have, I think, our third class together this semester. So that's cool. Um, also, like, um, I mean, it's kind of going back a little bit, but like, you in high school, you played uh, football at Sulphur High School, right? Yeah. yeah uh, I played left guard. Yeah. And um, you're pretty successful, right? Senior yeah. year? Yeah, I went to the state title game. And if you ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights, uh, kind of how at the ending, whenever uh, the movie, not the TV show. At the end, where they're like a few yards short. Uh, Spoiler we, alert. <laughs> we lost that game by a field goal in the last three seconds. And, uh, you know, I tell people that I don't like to reminisce about that game. But in life, it has taught me a lot to uh, to learn from that one loss than pretty much any one of my wins that I was a part of. That's very um, motivating. And, and you, should, you should talk to some athletes around here like FCA or whatever and have like FCA at schools I don't know if they have that here but um, well, we, we, had, we had it back at Salford yeah yeah so that's cool well um so seminary can be tough right I mean like we I think we both have had our own separate challenges like um I know moving it for me personally moving in the dorms I lived in like the really old dorms uh where all the single men live um I lived in there for a year, and it is, it's not the most glamorous building, but it was just really neat to have community, but there were challenges for sure, like moving here by myself, I had to learn a lot about myself for sure, but it was, it was great, you know, a great experience, but like, what kind of challenges, like, have you faced moving to Fort Worth with a family, not really knowing what would happen, you know, you didn't know how this would work out, like, y'all could move up here and it's a disaster, um, but like, what challenges did y'all face moving up here and uh, just working through seminary so i guess i'll start with you know the desire to want to come that was probably a i'd say about a two-year process you know me and rachel had talked about it and had kind of looked at the different seminaries we finally visited southwestern that's where our pastor had went in the 80s so that was kind of our first choice about six hours away from home so it was a good little distance um, you know, both sets of our parents, my set and her set, were definitely against coming 
and for multiple reasons. I can only imagine trying to uh, allow my daughter or son move away, you know. But that is that was probably our biggest challenge. Uh, you know, we had a life down back home. You know, had bought a house, had a full time job, career. So we had to sell a house and swap jobs. That was a challenge. And I'm already more of an introvert than most people. So my wife is, uh, as Jared will probably tell you, a very extrovert, meets just about anybody, and can spark up a conversation. So I knew it was not going to be a struggle for her to come up here. I knew it was going to be a struggle for me, though. So I'd already had it in the back of my head that I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. So we moved up here in June. I started work the f June 6th. I started work, the, I think, June 12th. And... Rachel kind of hit the ground running. I was able to, you know, meet. Honestly, I've met more friends through her than I have probably myself. It's not surprising, actually. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of the way it works out. You know, she'll meet the wives. And uh, one of the big things we like to do is invite people over to eat. Um, there's not too many meals that I miss. And <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're from Cajun country, so we always tell them to come get some gumbo. But, uh, you know, the biggest challenges that I think that we faced was uh, I've never moved away from home. Neither has my wife. So we ended up, you know, selling everything, half of our house, moving from a 14, 1,500 square foot house to a 940 square foot townhome, I think it is, uh, six hours away from home, uh, and only knew a handful of people. Yeah. Uh, but I do not regret it one bit. Um, I would do it again in a heartbeat, you know, just the growth that I've got to see, especially just in my wife, um, and able to see my kids, you know, have friendships that I do not think she would have had, my little girl would have had back home, just because of the amount of people that, you know, we were around. Um, so yeah, I definitely don't regret it one bit. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so coming on the campus, like, before, well, I guess before you started seminary, so even going back to when you started online, were you into, like, studying theology? Like, was that a passion of yours? Like, what made you want to get into studying theology or, like, coming to seminary? Like, what was kind of that desire? Where did it come from? So I've, I've always kind of felt like I'm definitely a, a person who likes schooling, and I never once shy away from obtaining more knowledge. Uh you know, I was kind of raised in more of an independent fundamental Baptist setup. So they went to more of the Bible college. And seminary was one of those things that I really didn't know about. Uh, I felt that I needed the extra knowledge. But I never really studied theology before uh, before coming. So all of this stuff is definitely new. And I, like, I'll never forget reading uh, Graham Gold's, I think it's Gold's Worries, Gold Worries book uh, for hermeneutics and just reading some of the big words not knowing what I was going to do because I was already struggling to uh, to read those big books and what's that two years now I can kind of fly through those books now yeah definitely takes some time for sure um, so like what has been like I guess one of your favorite parts of seminary that like they like really just um, 
I guess, what, what's one aspect of Simmer that you've just really enjoyed a yeah. lot of? You know, I knew I liked the online format. And I knew that I needed to come to campus. I just knew there was so much more interaction that I was probably missing. And, for example, I just texted a guy who's in intro to Greek or Greek 1 for the master's level. And me and him pretty much having the same professor. You know, I had that same course last fall. He's taking it this fall. And I was just telling him, you know, our professor, uh, he's got such a heart for the text. Uh, and it, it just blows my mind. You know, this professor has pretty much wept in class just reading the text. And I can also say I've never seen a pastor do that uh, or too many preachers. And, and that just blows my mind that they have that passion to mm -hmm. share their knowledge with the uh, the next generation. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I see that I've enjoyed seeing is just the teacher, professor interaction with the students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're talking about Mark Taylor. Yes. That's a, Mark yeah. Taylor. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I've only had one conversation with him. He, he's a really good dude. Um, really enjoyed our conversation. He, I just asked him a little bit about the THM program and he was very, man, he was very honest with me about it and just like really straightforward. So, um, I really, I really enjoyed speaking with him. I've never had him as a professor, but I've heard great things about him. I, I've, uh, I've taken Greek one, two, three, and four, um, and with Hoskins and he's a little bit different for yeah. sure. Like he, he, I don't know what kind of personality Mark Taylor has exactly like in class, but like Hoskins is more like. He's definitely like kind of a more like introverted type professor almost. Like he's very passionate and you can tell what he's passionate about, but not by his like vocal, like like how much he's like with me you can tell I'm passionate about something by how like how loud I'm talking and stuff like that. With Hoskins it's like, what is he talking about the most? Yeah. And like the one thing he talked about the most is like typology and stuff. So for those that don't know what typology is, that's basically that like the um, so in the Old Testament you have different passages where it, they point to Christ like like so for example well, I'll give an example like Aaron was like the first great high high priest um, the he was the high priest where when Moses was uh, around and uh, essentially Aaron was is pointed to, back to like as a type of Christ or whatever like he's like the first high priest but Christ is the great high priest um, so yeah. Um, He's really, really, um, he's really passionate about typology. And Taylor, I don't know what he's passionate about, um, but he definitely, I mean, I'm sure he has his own, like, kind of his niche, like, kind of the focus of what he likes to do. So, like, uh, do you, um, do you have a favorite professor? My favorite class of course that I've been up here, uh, this professor, he just left last fall, is um, Dr. Johnson. And he was our mm. one of our counseling, counseling guys. And he is the executive director for ACBC, um, which is the Association for Certified Biblical Counseling. And he's now at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, man, you know, I have, you know, I've had nursing instructors and I've had some of these seminary guys, but I just felt like he, he taught on a different level. And, and maybe it was just because at that topic, uh, I don't know if Jared Sojo yet, but, you know, my concentration right now is biblical counseling. So I do have a passion for that. And that class just very very early in my seminary career has impacted me so like um biblical counseling like that's something that's like it 
it doesn't apply to just one profession necessarily. You can use biblical counseling for many different Definitely. in different ways. Um, like what like what are some of your goals like in using biblical counseling? What do you hope to maybe uh, use it in like what field or like how like how would you do it? Use it. Yeah, usually what I tell people is, you know, since I'm a nurse, I can, you know, work anywhere in the world. I do not have to uh, rely on, you know, other avenues for financial support. So I would love to maybe, be, you know, be in a, a smaller area and just be a vocational pastor. Uh, but what I did before I came to seminary is I sat down with multiple pastors back home and I asked them what their week, you know, what their average week looked like. I just assumed that they studied the Bible from 8 to 4, and took a, <laughs> you know, and took a lunch, and every now and then made me go eat lunch with somebody else, but every one of them would say that they soak up a lot of hours in the week just counseling people. Yeah. So that kind of pushed me to maybe want to pursue more of a counseling yeah. avenue, um, so... Yeah. Also, I would I would love to just be on a staff somewhere and just be able to counsel people. I would probably say I think my main section I would like to be in, I guess, marriage counseling. Um, but also, you know, I do have a lot, lot of, a lot of experience in more hospice type situations, more end of life, um, probably hospital stuff. Uh, I don't want to be glued to that. I'd like to have definitely a open mind to counsel anybody yeah that's cool yeah i mean like counseling is a neglected subject i think in the church um in terms of like focus um you know a lot of people don't really necessarily expect a pastor to be great at counseling other people like maybe maybe it's something that they think of i don't know but i i don't normally hear that like a lot of times, like I just hear other aspects of, of a pastor that they prefer to be more, you know, more important uh, to their ministry or to their, uh, to the church. Um, but counseling is definitely important. And I mean, I haven't taken any counseling classes and I probably need to. Um, I don't know if I'll get a chance to though, to be honest, cause I've used up all my electives, but, um, and actually, you know what? I take that back. I, I, I think I, I don't have to, but it's like, there's like a group of, of, Classes I have to take, I have to take like one specific one, uh, one of the uh, those classes, uh, and that's one of like youth ministry, biblical counseling, and church administration or something like that. Uh, so I'll I'll definitely look at taking that. But if I mean like I know Johnson was a great professor. I don't know who's here now. I think the main guy now is I think his name is John Babbler. Okay. Um, and then I know they've had a couple. I guess look like adjunct professors. I haven't met them or know much about him, but uh, I know Babbler was the big one before Johnson was here. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend, you know, getting your feet wet in there. Yeah, I need to take it. I mean, even though I'm not really going into counseling necessarily, I know I need to take that for sure. Um, so, you know, we took church history together. Like, um, like what are some things that in church history that you kind of got out of? Like, especially, or if anything, I don't know if you gleaned for anything. Man, just, you know, just seeing the early church. And how it was, you know, kind of molded, you know, after, uh, you know, Christ was crucified. That just kind of, I just, you just don't ever hear that talk from the pulpit, the, you know, from 100 till 1800. You just don't, you just don't hear that. And so that was good to get to see that from, uh, you know, a educational setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like how they started 
talking about worship and the church, like yeah. the key, ecclesiology, like the Didache. Like I never knew about the Didache. Like exact. I mean, maybe I should have, but like I never really knew much about it or if at all until Church History One. I mean, it's just. I mean, most people don't really know too much about church history. It's just not something on their radar, kind of like biblical counseling. Um, but yeah, man. Like, um, I know uh, you've you go up to the rack a lot, um, like every day, pretty much, right? Try to, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, I know a lot of pastors can attest to this. Like, once they get into seminary and they get out into the you know real world, quote unquote, and start their ministry, it can be really easy to like kind of drift off into laziness almost like um like just they don't work out like a lot of the pastors don't work out they don't take care of their bodies like like how much like how important is that do you think to like seminary students and you know future pastors and current pastors today like to to do that well that's kind of a easy question i guess you could i can answer is because working in the medical field you deal with people who neglect their bodies all the time so no matter what, if it's a layperson or a pastor, uh, you have to take care of your body to a certain extent. You know, genetics playing a role for some health issues, but most of the time it can be prevented just by regular maintenance. And uh, so just, you know, I hate to prescribe a, a physical regimen, but, you know, just good daily activity. You know, I think we can all afford to lose a few pounds, even myself. I can, you know, lose a few more than a few, but... Quit attacking me, man. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's important, you know. It's just the longevity of your ministry. You know, they put in all those years in the seminary and read all those books. It's, you want to maximize uh, your time here. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, every, it's like twice a week, I think, uh, we have chapel. And yeah, the chapel schedule just came out. Yep. Uh I don't know, like who, who are you kind of looking forward to hearing from this coming up semester? Yeah, I'm actually excited. You know, two names I, I saw in there was um, J.D. Greer, and I'm actually interested in hearing Dr. Kearns. Uh, yeah. You know, hearing him the other night at the men's dinner, just his heart for, you know, the gospel. And i just like to hear his you know, hearing. You know, I probably may not get to take a class with him. Um, but then, of course, you know, J.D. Greer, he's the SBC president right now. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I like Dr. Greenway and just hear what he has to say. Yeah, I'd like to go to more chapel services this semester. Um, it's kind of hard to go to go to them, but fortunately, I have class that, those days, and, like, it'll be easier for me to go there and then just get lunch or whatever and go to class. So that's awesome. Um, so we live so we live on campus, and, like, when, when we live living on campus, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to be in the community of seminary. That's, you know, Southwestern Seminary. Um, like, what has that been like for you, like, to, to kind of, I guess, grow in this community of believers who are going to seminary? Like, what's what's that been like? So, uh, you know, that's, that's another one of those blessings that has occurred while we moved up here. Rachel being an extrovert, she has met so many people and built such close friendships that... Um, you know, she gets invited to a lot of things, and um, Andrew and Joy Gabbard, they put on a, a game night uh, on a regular basis. So Rachel participates in that, I think it's every other Friday night. You know, it, yeah. It's usually a, a pretty big group, and I, I know they have a lot of kids that show up. But um, it's just to be able to fellowship with other 
young Christian couples, you know, that are going through the same phase of life that we are. Um, and, you know, one of the downfalls is, is um, you know, my full-time schedule. I, I work every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. So if there's anything important going on, I usually miss it those nights. But I try to catch up on the, the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays. Um, but, yeah, I think that's been the biggest uh, gain is for Rachel to be able to build these, you know, friendships. And, uh, you know, she we're technically homeschooling right now. So she's able to, you know, just have friendships that uh, are homeschooling. And uh, so that's also a blessing. Yeah. So, like, um, when it comes to, like, um, your marriage, like, I know, like, part of, like, moving down here is possibly, not saying it, it was or will, but moving over here could possibly affect your marriage to an extent, whether positively or negatively. Like, what's well, what are some, like, more positive, I guess, ways that your marriage has been impacted by coming up here? Well, you know, it forced us to rely more on one another. You know, back home, we could um, talk with our friends, talk to our parents. But up here, it's just me and Rachel, you know, even though, you know, we've made friends outside of here. But, you know, it's forced us to trust the Lord more in our relationship that, uh, that I, I can say we probably haven't did before. Hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't have a lot of insight into a lot of marriages here. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm close to you and Rachel and a handful of other couples, so it's it's very limited. But um, it definitely seems like um, the seminary couples that are here that are supposed to be here, like they their marriage is is encouraged by just being around other couples. I guess. Um, I mean, there are some that probably do take, you know, go through. I mean, every couple is going to go through. Every marriage uh, is going to go through different trials and stuff, and like you're going to learn more about yourself. I'm sure you learned more about yourself um, when you moved up here. I mean, I assume you did. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, how old are you? Thirty-one. Just Thirty-one. So, I mean, like you're you're still a young young man, but you you know, I mean, you lived a you know you lived through your teenage years, you made through college, and you're still learning lessons, you know, which is kind of cool. I mean, um, so like if. If someone came up to you and said, Scott, like, why, like, what is the benefit of seminary? Like, why would I even go there? Like, that's just where all those nerds are at or whatever. Like, that's people that are prideful and arrogant, think they know everything about God. Like, that's where they're at. Like, so why would I want to go to seminary, like, with all that? Well, I would first off, you know, ask them, what are they reading, you know, besides the Bible? You know, I definitely want to encourage reading of the text. But if they're reading any good theological works, um, they have to understand that those books were written by people who went to seminary. And you were only going to get trained and prepared by people who went to seminary. So that's why I find it necessary to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, know, I know a lot of people that say that it's not, it's not even that beneficial. Like, you could probably just learn all these things by yourself. And I tell them, like, look. Like, maybe I could learn Greek a little bit by myself, but I know for a fact I would not be near nearly as efficient at it as I am now. Like, Dr. Hoskins has saved me a lot of time and has helped me a lot. Um, and I, I think you, we can all say the same about probably all of our classes that we've taken. Definitely. I mean, like, church history, like, I guess, like, not even just the information itself, but seeing, like, Presley, like, so passionate um, about church history... Like how much, how encouraging would that be? I mean, how how often would 
you know, your walk be when you like walked out of the class, like your Christian walk, like how, how awesome did you feel about, you know, the faith and, and all the things that are related to Christ. I mean, like it was just such an, I, I thought a blessing just to hear him like preach, basically preaching. I mean, but you know, also like sharing information, but he doing so in such a passionate way, but also uh, a way that was, I guess, applicable to the local church. You know, like, and that's the whole thing about the seminary experience, I feel like, is how can we go to the local church and use what God has gifted us through these men and women to to help the lo local church, you know? Um, I think that's the, personally, I think that's the most important part about it. Like, what do you think? Like, is that something you've thought about, like, just the local church in, you know, in terms of the seminary, like, your education here, like, helping you uh, bring that to the local church? Have you thought about that and what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so that gives, you know, I, I met with a pastor before we came here, just like I said before, and, you know, I kind of brought that up. You know, I wanted that flushed out as well. And he pointed quickly to say that he's worked with pastors who never went to seminary, and he used the words, they are limited. And what I got out of that was they are limited in their knowledge, and that's not to say they cannot obtain it, but they were never forced to, you know, just, what's the word I want to use here? The, they didn't, they weren't forced to have to wrestle, maybe? wrestle, yes, wrestle with certain items. Right. And, you know, here, you know, Jerry brought up Presley, you know, his classroom teaching style is probably one of my favorites. And, you know, he can make the thought of any history class even though it's a church history class an awesome class and yeah, I agree you know I've taken American history classes back in college and I do not recall much of that but you know just <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was able to make it exciting dude I remember some of my history professors in college at McNeese dude oh my gosh did you take Dr. Matthew Smith what his name was Dr. Matthew Smith yeah. I know Matthew Smith here very yeah. long time um, I don't know. I I forgot the guy that I like. He okay. So the guy that I taught, like, he was really famous for saying this. Like, he would like like be talking and sharing the lesson and stuff. And someone like would ask him a question, and he would like stop and go, "What?" Like he would like say it with that like really strong, um, you know, that strong emphasis. I don't know why it was really funny. Uh, I just remember that about him. Like that's the only thing I remember about the class. He would just say "What?" Like really strongly. So I don't know if that's the same guy. Yeah, I don't remember that, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I remember Dr. Presley one time was, he was trying to illustrate, like, the early liberals in the 19th century. Like, so long story short, the liberals from Germany, um, you know, why are institutions, a lot of them are liberal, like they are, especially, like, the theological ones. They, like, were influenced by German scholars. Um, and, like, really the the thought process of how they arrived to their conclusions kind of began with uh, what's called existentialism. So basically the, just the belief that like our religion, like Christianity is like a lot of it's ba largely based on feelings and like just how you feel at the time and stuff like that. And so to illustrate this Presley, like got on the ground and just like, like went straight on the ground, like flat, like, and just, he was just illustrating how, you know, how um, they would react and respond 
to um, different things like that. So it was it was just really hilarious. I thought that was really funny and captivating. So it definitely he definitely keeps your attention because he like not yells but like I know he yells sometimes though. You know, exam not examine, but to kind of illustrate the, the um, readings he would do. Yeah, he's a great preacher. Didn't he jump on a desk or something? I, I can't remember if he jumped on a desk. I don't or remember. Jumped on a chair or something. Yeah, and Dr. Press, if you're you're listening to this, uh, reach out to us. And let us know <laughs> if you jumped on a desk ever. Like, I won't be. Dude, I remember. I remember. Who, I remember someone that did. Uh, he didn't jump on a desk. He jumped on his pulpit. Which, it was really impressive. Uh, Stephen Anderson. Remember him? You, we we watched some of his videos. Oh yeah, the guy out of Arizona or New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this guy's like talk. Like he's like talking about like gay people and stuff and how like they're terrible and all that. Like. You know, like I will never let a sodomite in my in my uh, in my church or whatever. And then, like he like jumped on the pulpit and like pointed at the at the at the um, congregation and like just was like you know just saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, like obviously, I believe homosexuality is a sin, but gotta clarify that. But like obviously, he was saying things in such a demeaning and hateful way. Like it's just not helpful. Not beneficial, but yeah. Anyway, that's 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 one person I remember jumping on a. Do you know he teaches Greek on YouTube now? Yeah, and he's probably teaching it very, very um, fundamentally wrong. Um, yeah, because so like for those that don't know who Stephen Anderson is, he's an independent fundamental Baptist church pastor. King and James only. King James only guy. That's his big thing. Him and James White. He's a pretty popular theologian, um, apologist. They've went back and forth on this topic um, a lot. Um, I definitely recommend James White's work, and I, I heavily disagree with with Stephen Anderson's perspective. Like, it's just ridiculous, to be honest. Uh, but we we gotta always talk about that fun stuff there, because people. I'm serious. Like, I know so many churches back home, and I mean, even here, like, there's one right up down, up the road that is a King James only church. Like, it's so crazy. Like, how many churches are King James only churches? Like, I just I don't get it. Like I don't get the, like the logic and the, the I mean the, the like, what people how people come to their conclusions. It's so, it's so bad. I mean they just like say, oh hey, the NIV leaves out this word, uh, like it leaves out this part, uh, but the King James doesn't. I mean, and they say, oh well, they must be trying to take out this truth that's in the King James only, or the King James Bible. And I'm just kind of like, well. Don't you realize that the NIV is using a specific manuscript that, um, a tra- you know, a manuscript uh, tradition, and uh, from that, they're, tra- you know, they in their manuscripts, they didn't find that particular Greek word that the King James did. That's not to say the King James is wrong or bad, just to say that that's why that's happening. It's not because they're trying to delete, obviously. Yeah, didn't, they, didn't the King James writers, they wrote from a different... Greek text, right? Yeah, different tradition, manuscript yeah, yeah, tradition. Most of our English text Texas Receptus. Wrong. So yes. the Texas Receptus is what the King James Bible was written from. It's it's still good. It's still fine. Anyone that reads the King James is still fine. It's good. Um, the so you have the Texas Receptus, and then you have the another translate more of a different translation uh, or a manuscript um, tradition called the Alexandrian tradition i believe there's there's the byzantine text as well that's involved in there somewhere it's it's very it's very complicated it really is i I got i need to read more up on how the text was came to be but it's really it's really confusing uh so i'm I'm not gonna spend too much more time on that but i just wanted to 
that jumping on the desk made me think of Steven Anderson. Uh, he is such a character. Yeah, I think he jumped or something. He might have did something on Press, the yeah. screen or something. Yeah, he's done stuff like that before, but he's like a really good preacher too. Like I remember hearing him preach. I heard him preach when I was at the Harvard campus in Houston, mm -hmm. and I remember just like he, I was really encouraged by his stuff. And I mean, people at the Houston campus just loved him so much. Like, like man, this guy's awesome. Like this guy's the best teacher ever and stuff. So, um, and I hope you know, Presley. I hope you're not getting too prideful. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening. He's probably not, but just in case, he, he's a busy man. Um, man, I really want to go on that Oxford trip. Um, so our, our our school, Southwestern, takes a trip, takes a group of students to Oxford every year, and it's more of a church history trip, and be awesome. Are you going to try to go one day? Uh, no, me and Rachel, you know, next year will be our 10-year anniversary, and this was actually just brought up to my attention last night. And, um, you know, Rachel's mother just kind of retired. So that means that we could easily drop the kids off back home and take a trip anywhere in the world. So um, we've been kind of looking at maybe going overseas to maybe a possible uh, short mission trip or something. And uh, so that's something we've been looking at. So I am going to kind of reach out to a few people. And maybe if you're listening to, uh, we're looking at maybe going to Europe somewhere to um, preferably an IMB missionary. And just partner up with you and come see y'all and do some work with y'all and then come back home. So y'all's honeymoon or honeymoon, uh, like anniversary trip's gonna be a mission trip? Maybe. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> you know, you don't hear that very often. <laughs> so that's that's cool though. Anyway, well, um, Scott, you got anything else that you wanted to to add? Any specific any information or any like encouragement that you can think of that you would add to this? No, I really can't think of anything right now. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to Causey's Conversations. Uh, Scott, thank you for joining us today, me, you, all of us. Um, appreciate you coming in. Um, you didn't have to travel that far, though. So. No, I think it was about uh, maybe about a quarter of a mile. Yeah. And it was in my I'm not, truck. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to gonna pay for your gas to oh, get here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you coffee one day or something, though. So I don't know that. But... Um, I don't know if I can I can do that right now. I'm broke. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm joking. Um, but not really, not really. Uh, it's the end of the month. <laughs> we got we got tuition coming up. So, um, anyway, um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, if you have any questions and um, concerns, just uh, hit me up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. If you have my number, or email, all those great things. So, anyway, God bless.